Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and I'm coming to you from Indianapolis at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. For those of you all who are new to the show, welcome. For those of you all who've been here before, welcome back. And what I'm going to focus on in this particular episode is the quarterback position. Now, for those of you all who have followed me for a little bit, you know that while I did not play quarterback and have a healthy respect for those who do, uh, the position that I think I do a pretty good job at and have some receipts on is the quarterback position. Uh, definitely folks in the industry who do it better than me. And then some folks who may not. We'll just leave it at that. So that's what I'm going to be doing in this show. Basically going over the guys that I've gotten a chance to look at. Um, the only way that these guys move down, especially if it's you know someone who's a little behind, is if I get introduced to a new prospect. Again, there's some folks who work in this industry, a guy who I worked with for a long time, Amory Hunt, as an example, does a lot of quarterbacks. He has a lot of intel out there, a lot of eyeballs that he puts on to these guys. And he'll have a longer list than me. But I have 19 guys this year. Some years I have as many as 25 or 26. You know, some years I'll have as few as 16 or 17. But it's usually about 20 players. And the guys that I'm looking at are guys that or either part of the scouting combine um, in one of the, the the bowl games, as far as uh, like the senior bowl or the shrine game, things like that. So those are the individuals I'll be looking at in this particular uh, outlook. So I'll give you a, a little tinge of a background on this. So as I've looked to develop my scouting acumen, you know, we started doing it basically with, you know, this looks like a guy who we know, and this looks like another guy who we know, that type of deal. Basically, looking at it from the perspective of guys we know who en- knew who ended up being successful and ones who may not have ended up being successful and seeing what stood out on tape. Okay. As I've done this for more and more years, I've got a little more refinement to how I assess, and I have a very generous, very simplistic look at it from a scoring standpoint, but I use multiple factors that have scores in it. Example, scoring things like velocity, um, you know, uh, twitchiness, things like that. That's become more of a thing that's in my bag. But with each of the player evaluations, I end up coming to, based on all those factors, what's the lowest end talent I see in this guy? What's the highest end talent ability I see in this guy? So I give you a range. That range will give you an average, and that's my final grade on a player. Again, there's some guys. Uh, Example, Anthony Richardson last year, huge range. Uh, Anthony Richardson was one of the highest uh, in talents I've seen in a while uh, in that uh, Mahomes-like high-end talent standpoint, but he had a low end because of some of the stuff that I saw on tape that needed to be cleaned up and came out to an average. I think it was 97 was the high end out of 99, and 77 was the low end, I believe. I came up with an 87. All right. Now, with the quarterback position, these grades, I'm going to kind of give you a breakdown of why these grades apply to them, just to give you a quick overview. So the final grade is where I expect that player to have played or fairly consistently played at by the end of their first contract, right? As far as the grades and how they go, from 99 to 95, That is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. That range is a guy who, if they're playing at that ability, they have the capability of being a eventual Hall of Famer, especially if that's the average, which no one's ever been that high on an average. From that 90 to 94 range, that's going to be your all-pro level guy. That's a guy who is, again, playing at the highest level. He's always referred to as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. During his time frame, he will be held to that regard. He'll probably win an MVP. Okay. We want to look at the 85 to 89 range. That is a guy who's looked at as, we used to use Pro Bowler as a, a way to assess the, the talent, but Pro Bowl has become so different from what it used to be that those are your upper echelon starters, guys who you, you're you never looking for a quarterback with this particular guy because you found your franchise quarterback, sometimes for better or for worse. Now, an 80 to an 84 is a guy who is 
a good quarterback. He is a franchise starting level quarterback. Basically, your franchise will not be looking for someone unless someone definitely comes along. Then they may move along once it gets too expensive, but that's that rating. And like anything, the higher side is a higher end one. The lower side is a lower end one. Now, when you get to 79 through 75, those are going to be guys who are spot starters slash bench players. And what I mean by that is these are the guys who, if they are currently your QB2, you can trust that for four or five games, they can come in there and replace your QB1, keep the ship afloat, and not only keep it afloat, but win games for you. And then you have the bottom range of 70 to 74. Those are going to be the guys who are true backups. Sometimes they're in camp as a number three quarterback, that type of thing. All right, just to give you kind of an overview. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the ratings. And my number one overall quarterback is a guy who, as far as I know, I'm the only person that has him ranked as QB1, but not by a lot. I've heard some people talk about him flirting with QB1 because QB2 on my board is someone who has uh, exceptional talent as well. My QB1 is Jaden Daniels, the six foot four uh, senior out of LSU, Heisman Trophy winner from this year, possesses exceptional ability. Um, I'm going to start with what I think are, I don't like to use the word weaknesses or even strengths uh, for the most part, but the needs to improve. With Jaden, there's just a few things, uh, but one of the biggest things is he values making the play over personal safety. One of the things he needs to do is when he goes to run, he needs to be more mindful of the fact that guys are going to be coming to hit him. Uh, it has not bothered him in his career. He hasn't had big season into injuries or anything like that, but it is an area of concern because there are guys who've done the same to a lesser degree that people don't value in a negative space, but um, you know, Joe Burrow might've taken a few more hits than he should have in, in coming out of a, uh, coming out of college. So it's just something to work on, but he has excellent deep ball accuracy. Uh, he is willing to stand in there and I don't describe him as an, a great runner. He's an electric runner. What I mean by that is they shouldn't be calling a lot of QB runs with this guy. That's not what he's designed for. He's not Cam Newton or Josh Allen. What he's designed for is when it needs to happen, he's willing to take off and go get it, which also plays into an area of improvement. My comp for him is Randall Cunningham. Um, and as far as the range I see on him, I see him as a, a mid-grade starting quarterback at the low end. So that's an 83. I believe that he has the ability to come in and immediately be starting quarterback on a team and be fine, especially if it's an offense that is going to allow him to use his full complement of ability. The high end, I see a 95. I see this guy being a guy who can touch the tinge of being a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Now, some people might say I'm insane, but again, my comp to him is Randall Cunningham. Um, I, that's in high regard. People forget Randall had two careers. He was the electric guy who was making things happen for Philly. And then he came back and he was what you want to call a quintessential pocket passer for Minnesota Vikings. So as far as well, where he would thrive, I think he would thrive in most situations because of how he carries himself and how he ingratiates himself to his teammates. Um, you know, ideal fits with weather and, and environment uh, in mind. I'm going to go with Atlanta, Las Vegas. I think he could be fine in Washington as well. Uh, and that's probably where he'll end up based on how things have been going uh, via the the scouting and the mock drafts, as I should say. So again, he gets an 89 overall grade. Uh, for context, um, guys that I've given grades that high, I've only given a couple of other guys grades of that high. In fact, there's only three other quarterbacks who've gotten an 89 or higher as an average. Uh, those guys, uh, the guy with an 89, my third highest quarterback, in the pre-draft uh, pre-draft process was Patrick Mahomes. He had a wider range. He actually had a range where he was a 99 through a 79. So uh, I saw that high-end talent, but also knew that there were some things he needed to fix. So he got an 89. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got a 90 average grade. Um, and then Joe Burrow, I, I, I had him as, he would be a pro bowler as me immediately. I think it was a 90 uh, fourth or an 86 was his range. And then you had Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson had a 91. Uh, very similarly, I gave him a 96 through an, an 86. I thought Deshaun Watson had the ability to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And 
from what we saw on the field when he was a Houston Texan, it agreed with what I was saying. So Jaden is in rarefied air from a rating standpoint uh, based on what I've seen. Now we're going to move on to QB2. And QB2 is probably, since you saw who my QB1 is or heard who my QB1 is, you're going to know this guy. is out of USC and it's Caleb Williams. Uh, the, the junior quarterback stands at six foot one, about 215 pounds. We'll see the exact measurements uh, here coming soon at the combine. Um, 22 years old. And we're going to start with the area of improvement. Um, this is actually something that some people get lauded for, other people get judged for. Uh, he'll come off of his initial read too quickly sometimes. And I feel like there's a reason behind it. I'm going to get to it in a second. But uh, he, he does do that sometimes just too quickly, um, which can be a detriment. It's something to improve. But I think that that had more to do with USC than him. Uh, one of the contributing factors, I believe, is they didn't have enough continuity on that offensive line. And sometimes where the initial read was supposed to be and he needed a tick more, he had to move in the pocket and had to get to number two. So I feel like if he's protected a little better uh, schematically, he won't come off that read too much. So that need for improvement isn't as big of a deal to be candid because he keeps his eyes down the field. Again, when he comes off of one, he's immediately to two. And it's because he's moving to the side, not because he's just making the decision. Now, his strengths, he's an excellent second action player. Again, some of that's been forced into action, but um, some players can't do that. You know, people call it, and it's become more uh, of the speak that you'll hear. You'll hear on and off schedule. Um, I I'll give my opinion on that in a second, but uh, he's also accurate at all levels. And that's something that some guys do struggle with. Uh, he is not a, afraid to throw the intermediate pass, although he doesn't do it quite as often. And part of that is, again, these off schedules usually come with guys being open, either deep or short. If you're throwing in the middle of the field or intermediate, it's because a guy is stark buck wide open. It doesn't happen as much as uh, it does in some other areas of the field. Now, I will make this statement about the off and on schedule. I think that the utilization of those two terms can be necessary to describe situations, but I don't like if they're utilized to describe players to a detriment. Whenever I hear someone say a player can't play on schedule, my ear ticks up. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. But my ear does tick up when I hear that. Cause I used to hear, um, from the pocket quite a bit uh, in the past, and now it just kind of feels like a second version of that. But back to Caleb. So I've been using some old-timey uh, comps for people, and when I see Caleb and the stuff he did, especially this year, you know, there were some comps. The Mahomes thing comes out a lot. I don't see Mahomes in them. They don't operate the same, to be honest. Um, they do some things that have similarities, but, you know, they don't operate the same. Uh, Russell Wilson, what he did at Wisconsin. You see that because it's more recent and I actually like, that was early in my career of doing this uh, player eval thing. But I'm gonna go with an old school guy because again, first thing that popped in my mind and sometimes player comps, it can be first thing that pops in your mind or it can be someone who you're saying the, the, the skill set not only matches up to, but maybe even a career path. Fran Tarkenton, very similar situation where Fran People are like, he's just running around and running around. Sometimes Fran was running around because he had less protection than what was ideal. And I think that's part of why it reminded me of what Caleb Williams was doing. Again, there's probably better comps, but that's the first thing that popped in my mind from a quarterback standpoint. Now, Caleb has a high end of 96. He actually has a higher end than Jaden Daniels, but a low end of 80. Let me tell you why he has a low end of 80. I think Caleb is more dependent on where he ends up than Jaden. And it's not for the wrong reasons. See, for me personally, I don't know Caleb Williams. I have not interviewed him. I have not talked to him. I've talked to some people who have had the pleasure of doing so. Um, Caleb. The wrong reason would be Caleb doesn't put enough in and doesn't care about football. That's not what I get. What I get from Caleb is 
Caleb is still working on becoming the man he wants to be. And sometimes we, we, we need more time with that. And so he needs an environment that's going to give him that structure and that care so he can continue to become the man he's going to be while also learning how to be a dog on NFL quarterback because that stuff's hard. So that's why I put him with a lower grade, less to do with him than he's coming out right now. And I have to judge where I could see him bottoming out. And the bottom for him is he's an NFL starting quarterback, period. That dude's an NFL starting quarterback. He also has the ability to be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. It just kind of depends on environment more for him than I think it even does for Jaden Daniels because of where they sit right now. And that's what I said. I actually have a note here. He needs a, it's almost like a family style environment. Uh, places that would be a good fit for him. You can say this for everyone with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would be, obviously, they're not getting him. They would love to, but they're not getting him. Um, you know, Minnesota will work for him. But he does, in my opinion, need that to be uh, successful more than anything. And it's uh, also why I'd prefer for him to go to certain places over others. But his average grade between that 96 and 80 is going to be an 88. That's a really high grade. That's in line with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um style grade. So pretty high. These are the two quarterbacks in this class that I think are graded with a top five pick. They are number one overall caliber selections, in my opinion, again, with an 89 for Jaden Daniels and an 88 Caleb Williams. That being said, we're going to move over here. We're going to get to my number three quarterback. My number three quarterback is Drake May. Now, Drake May has been talked about for the last year. Well, Drake May is basically, a, you know, talked about in the same sphere as Caleb Williams. Um, I'm of the mindset that Drake May is a very talented young man. Um, and the word young, I just used with Caleb. Drake's pretty doggone young. He's 21 years old. Um, so needs some, some, some maturity to go along with his scenario. Um, now, let's look at uh, from the needs to improve perspective for Drake. And some of these guys I'm going to spend a little more time on, more context, because they're going to be invested in a little more from the perspective of the financials tied to their draft position. Makes sense? Cool. So one of the things that Drake didn't have for me is enough consistency to make me comfortable with a level of style. Um, I was talking with a gentleman last night, and one of the things that I often get into disagreements with QB coaches and whatnot, um, I'm not a fan of the players, and this is my own thing, and it's something I do need to be mindful of, and that's why I'm mindful of it. Uh, whether or not I need it to get completely out of my head is a different uh, thought for a different day. I don't like the quarterbacks that start to feel like they've been trained how to be a quarterback from a young age and not allowed to figure things out. So guys who have done these repetitions from when they were 10 years old, and I'm not saying that's Drake. I have no backup for, for that. What I'm saying is I know that that's something that visually bothers me is when a guy looks like they've been too coached to do these things and have these specific drops every time because I think it kind of get in the way of them using some of their instincts. If you want to be serious here, that was literally one of the things that people disliked about Patrick Mahomes. They said he didn't have the footwork. To be candid, I I understood that, but I also didn't ding him on it as much as some people did. So it's it's the lack of consistency on the product. He looks pretty consistent from his drops and whatnot and getting set up and almost looks like a prototype. He has a lot of Justin Herbert to how he drops back and looks. They don't play the same, particularly even though that's going to end up being my comp. Um, but that is bothersome to me. Now, he is all the strengths. I see him. He's an effortless thrower. You know, he's got the physical size and skill set of a prototypical quarterback. Literally, go in the lab, make the guy six foot four, 230 pounds. That runs a 4-6. That's a prototype quarterback now, folks. So 
I understand that. And again, my confirm was Justin Herbert, even though I think Herbert operates a little better from the pocket. And I think that Drake May is a, a little twitchier as an athlete outside the pocket. Um, now, this is going to sound ridiculous because, you know, sometimes things just do. I think he needs to sit for a year. Now, a, a guy I respect says, how does a player get better by sitting a year? What I think it does is it slows down the, uh, the situation for you so you can develop. I think that Dre may, if we're really being honest here, from a football perspective, should have gone back to school for a year from a, to develop his game because he's going to be forced into being a grown man on that field immediately. From an intelligence standpoint, he need to come out. You're going to go top three and get that money, and you're not guaranteed next year to move up further. And heck, he has a chance to go number two or even number one, even though I don't think that's happening. You come out, you come and get that money. But I think ideally he would sit for a year and clean some of that stuff up, get more used to being who Drake May is so that he can then succeed as a quarterback. And because of that, I think an ideal place, they don't have the the, the pick and they're not going to do it because the situation doesn't call for it. But if he had the opportunity to be uh, a jet, that would probably work out well for him only because they have a QB this year. Okay. Not going to happen. Now, as far as if I were picking Drake May, he's the second half of the first round guy for me because he does have some of those issues. I would want to get him to certain organizations to make sure that he was able to thrive. So he's a 15 through 32 for me. Again, that's going to sound crazy to some of you all, but the low end, I see him with a low end of a 78. That is. So I see him possibly turning into a guy who could be an afterthought if he's put in the wrong situation and doesn't get the chance to thrive. I see him with a 90. Also, I can see him being a fringe all pro quarterback. He's got some of that talent. But that's part of why he's so far behind the other guys. He has an 84 grade for me. Again, when you have the look and the footwork, for the most part, of a guy who's been trained how to play quarterback and you still miss layups, I don't know how you clean that up. You know what I'm saying? Like Anthony Richardson, some of his lower body mechanics last year led to some of those layups being missed. Drake May doesn't have that issue, so why are you missing layup throws? Anyway, my QB4 is Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Now, the 6'3 senior is an older prospect. He will turn 24 right after the draft in May. But to me, Michael Penix is the set it and forget it ready guy of that next tier. Again, Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams are not near the other guys in this draft for me. You see how far the grades are off. We're already at a QB three from a grading standpoint. You've seen an 89 and 88, and then it jumps down to an 84. As far as the guys who are ready to set it and forget it coming and play, Michael Penix Jr., due to his age, but also the experiences he's been through, is ready to come into virtually any organization and be able to function. Now, this isn't a need to improve. It's just it's just true. Those medical concerns are real. This is an exceptionally tough kid physically and mentally because he's been able to come back from multiple knee injuries, shoulder injuries, etc. And shake him off and come and go to a program and be their quarterback who led them to a national championship game. So that's one. And two, and this could be an after effect of the injuries, he doesn't take off when he should sometimes. Sometimes he he waits and he's willing to kind of get rid of the ball instead of just going to get three or four yards. Uh, he doesn't do it as often as I think he'll need to in the NFL. Again, maybe the injuries encourage that. Now, strengths, I think he has pretty much the strongest arm in the class when it comes to specific throws. Outside the numbers, this dude drives the ball like no one else in this class. Do not get it fooled. Not Drake May, not Jaden Daniels, not Kayla Williams. This dude throws frozen ropes. And I told you, I'm on my old school game right now when it comes to player comps. The last guy I saw throw the ball like this, where it was just off his hand and it was flatlined, was Jeff George. Like I could not come up with a comp 
in today's game for what Penix does because of his style, his style of play, but also because that ball is sizzling when it comes off. Now, Penix is at worst going to be a low-end starting quarterback. So I gave him an 80 as the low-end grade. That's because Penix is a guy who, to be candid, is everything that the NFL needs you to do, he does. You know, there's guys who play in the NFL who will keep getting contracts, the Kirk Cousins of the world, because they do what NFL quarterbacks are required to do. Some of them had to develop into it. Michael Penix has done that in college. But it's high end because of some of the medical stuff, but also just because he doesn't have some of these physical tools that the other guys have. 86 is his high end. So I can see him, you know, being a lower end Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, but he's just more of a starter. He'd be a high end starting quarterback, a guy who you wouldn't necessarily go look for another QB. But what you would do is you'd have to be mindful if there's one of those generational, quote unquote, generational talents, I should say, floating out there, you know, maybe letting him walk and not paying the money uh, would, would work out for you. Although you would have to pay him the money because he'd play well enough to justify it. Now, as far as environments, you know, he would thrive for a win now team because he's not going to have as much development needed as some other players. So if we were to get into uh, situations where teams really need a quarterback, quote unquote, a quarterback away or one where I think would work, uh, Minnesota, I think it's going to work out for him. Would I take him uh, somewhere? Yes. With this grade, it bolsters a first to second round pick on it. Um, if I'm on the back end of the first round, I can take Penix from the perspective of um, making sure that I get that fifth year option just so I can keep him on a cheaper deal. And if I needed to move on, I could move on. I got another inexpensive year off of Michael Penix. As far as um, where I would ideally take him with the issues, with his medicals, not him as an issue, uh, I'd ideally take him in the in the second round. Um, I think he'd be a, a good selection for a team. You know, maybe you you needed a you, you didn't get one of those top two quarterbacks, or heck, even if you want to say top three, and it's the second round, and you know you're sitting there, you're you're Atlanta or whoever, and you want to say, I need to move up and get this guy. So second round would be ideal for Michael Penix. All right. Now it's going to get a little spicy. The four guys I've named have always been linked to the top six positions at quarterback on networks. When you talk to people, et cetera. My number five is a spicy pick because this dude had a, he had to make some changes and move from one school to another, and he's grown and matured, I believe, and so is his game. And that's Spencer Rattler out of South Carolina. Now, listen, some of you all are going to say I'm crazy, um, but when I see Spencer Rattler, the parallels are so similar that it's almost insane that I'm not seeing this cop more between this guy. Again, the guy who... From a talent standpoint, you can see it plays well. You know, things don't work out. So he has to go prove himself somewhere else, go somewhere else, has some maturity issues, does some things that people do not think are great now. You can talk to how people felt about him in the locker room. These two people, it might have been different, but I think that some of it was similar. But, you know, a little bit squatty, but stronger arm than expected because they're not big guys, you know, only about six foot to six foot one, 215 pounds or so. I count Spencer Rattler to Baker Mayfield. Um, and some of the the issues with the comps, as far as needs to improve and the strengths go along with that. Um, one of the things he needs to improve, sometimes he trusts his arm too much. And it's because they have many howitzers attached to their shoulder. You don't expect them to throw the ball like they do. And so they'll try to fit it in there with that gunslinger mentality. And that's one of the things that can get him in, in trouble. He's done a better job not doing that, which he used to do more early in his career. Um, and also can fade from pressure too often. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not willing to take a hit. 
That's not what I'm saying. It plays into that arm strength again. Sometimes their footwork can get sloppy. And when interior pressure comes, they know that they can throw the ball deep. So they'll throw the ball and not have the feet set correctly and kind of fade. That is something that cannot happen on the next level. But again, because of that trust in the arm, the more he comes back to sometimes just taking what's given, it'll be great for him. Now, it is also a positive. He does trust his arm. And sometimes trusting your arm is the difference between throwing a touchdown in a big game and, you know, throwing a check down. Some guys can get away with it. I think he has the talent level to get away with it. He does have great touch on his passes, though. It's not like he's just a one-speed passer. I've seen some of those guys come out, and he doesn't do that. He actually has good touch on his passes, especially to the uh, exterior or the outside the numbers. And again, he'll stand it against pressure. That's something that, uh, like I said, even Baker would do as well. Now, my grades on him, he has the same average grade of 83 as the last quarterback, Michael Penix, but he has a 77 on the low end. I could see that, you know, if he's not fitting in, maybe he has some of those things pop up from a maturity standpoint and just doesn't get things the way that you would hope. But I also see high-end Pro Bowl talent, almost all pro talent, 89, where this guy, if he gets it, gets in the right situation, puts it all together, he can end up being one of those guys. Um, and I have a late first, early second round grade on him. I think an ideal fit for this guy specifically, more than a guy who I'm going to talk about later, that's been mocked here. I think an ideal fit is Denver. I think if this guy, Spencer Rattler, worked with Sean Payton, they have a lot of similarities in personality. I'll just leave it at that. I think that they could actually work really well together, even with butting some heads sometimes. And they could make magic because I think Sean Payton would be good for Spencer and it would be kind of a iron sharpening iron scenario. So I would like him as an early second round pick in Denver for them. And I think that he'd work out. Now let's go to the guy who is in my number six slot, who, who wouldn't be in this number six spot if it wasn't for an issue uh, that occurred in college. That issue was in a lower body injury. Um, hey, feel how you want to. My number six guy is Jordan Travis, our Florida State. Um, Seeing quarterback suffered a lower leg injury. So that's something that is obviously a concern, to be honest. It is something that will need to be considered. Uh, and it will take him out of this draft prospect scenario where I thought he could be. Um, because it was a pretty serious injury. Um, but he does have some areas that he needs to improve. Um, he has adequate to above average arm strength. Um, that's one of the things that some people look for that Hollitzer. They look for that big arm. That's not what he has. But he has, he has the arm strength to make the throws that are necessary. Uh, he is a pretty good deep ball passer considering that. Uh, puts the ball out there and gets it into areas for his receivers to be able to make plays. Now, he did have two humongous receivers with catch radiuses that are insane, but they didn't have to use it all the time. Um, often he was able to throw them away from defenders so that they didn't take big shots. Um, keeps his eyes down the field. Uh, that, that's a big thing. Uh, even when he is escaping pressure, doesn't drop his head to just go run, keeps his eyes down the field. And he's a quick trigger quarterback. Uh, he's also an effective runner when he does have to take off. It's nothing spectacular, but it is an effective quarterback as a runner. Um, size is a little different because the guy I comp him to is a bigger guy at 6'2", about 230. But he reminded me of Dak Prescott when I watched him play in some uh, scenarios. So that was a comp. It's not a great one, but... I did see some of Dak in there where it's, uh, you know, you, you're going to get the job done by this guy. This guy can cook sometimes, but it's not a guy who you're going to think is is just going to come out and and carry the team to a Super Bowl or anything like that. He's going to win you games. And he'll probably win you a lot of them. Now, his low end for me was a 77. Uh, his high end is an 86. Again, 
I can understand how, especially with the injury, and that was the thing that really moved the needle for me, is how does he recover and come back from that? Um, that moved it down. But I'm sticking with that higher end of an 86. I believe that this is a guy who can be a pro bowl caliber quarterback. Again, Dak was my number one quarterback when he came out of uh, Mississippi State in that draft in 2016. And my thing was always Dak is a quarterback that literally fits a lot of what you keep saying quarterbacks had to be. Um, he was always making things happen for his team, showing up consistent. Um, he had some issues with his game and he cleaned them up. So, again, I'm going to get slaughtered for this, but yeah. Jordan Travis is my QB6, and he has a second to third round grade on him. Again, some of that is knocked down. His play is second to third round. I can understand if he had to go lower for some folks uh, because of the injury. And my number seven quarterback tied with the same grade. And this is really a tie for six, to be honest. But I wanted to go with Jordan Travis first because I want to get that on record. Whatever. Uh, Bo Nix. Now, Bo Nix is an interesting player to me. He's 24 years old, literally turned 24 this week. Uh, turned 24 on the 25th. Uh, so happy birthday to Bo Nix. But Bo Nix, you know, six foot two quarterback, 217. There's some things to like about Bo Nix. And I've actually heard him be... Uh, ranked as high as number three by some people. Um, how about this? He's been ranked as high as number three by some people. I've seen him or heard him ranked as low as number 10. Uh, so he's my number seven guy. Here's what I have to say about Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix... I'm going to start with his strengths because I, I do, I did like what I saw on film from him and the scrappiness. A quick decision maker, he uses his legs at the right time. He is willing to get up and get out. Um, and some guys are not willing to do that. And he also didn't take a lot of big hits. He's willing to get down. That being said, he has areas of improvement that kind of limit his ceiling for me. Uh, he misses on intermediate passes, especially on the interior. Um, He's more of an open receiver passer when it comes to throwing the ball in the middle of the field. Um, if a guy's an open, I don't think he's throwing it as much. On the exterior, he's willing to throw contested catches. I will say that. Um, my comp form is going to probably drive some people crazy, but I think it's a guy who was underrated in his game and didn't get the chance to really be as much of a starter as people might uh give some other folks and that's Tyrod Taylor again the ability to get out having some of the same needs for improvement as Knicks now people can say Knicks was more polished when he came out but Knicks is again 24 years old being 24 or older used to actually be a detriment to some folks it would literally be a reason for people to keep you off their board. Okay? To the point of them knocking guys down boards because they were 24 years old, 25 years old. Um, and the reason they did it is because the line of demarcation for success was, I believe it was either 24 or 25 at draft time or to start the season. It was 24 at draft time. But I'll tell you this, is this, I should say, um, you talk about, you hear people talk about how old a guy like Michael Penix is, and it's because he's older. You hear guys talk about how old Jaden Daniels is. It's because he's older, but Bonix is three months older. Well, th two and a half months older than Michael Penix. Bonix is almost 10 months older than Jaden Daniels. It's something that doesn't get mentioned enough. What they'll mention or some people will mention is the amount of starts Bo Nix has been able to make. The most starts in college football history. Uh, FBS history, I should say. But you'll hear how old some other quarterbacks who are younger than him are. Um, it's part of why it feels like this Tyrod comp is more accurate because Bo has had the chance to grow up and play so much football 
that you know where his ceiling lies and his ceiling lies lower than a lot of these other young men because he's played so much football and it's looked good in certain positions, but sometimes it hasn't looked good enough. So Bo gets a third round grade for me. You know, I can see him going second round, but he's a next up situation, a next man up situation type quarterback to me. I feel like he is more of a low end starter, which is where I have him graded. Um, then he is the next possibility of the high end guy. Um, and again, that's just me. Um, Bonix is a quarterback who, if taken in the proper place at the proper time, will probably work out better than if he is reached for and taken in a position where he's not supposed to go. It'll remind me of, you know, what is it, 2012 when Christian Ponder, who Onyx is better than, but not so much that a first round pick, especially with all we know, states that he has to go there. So just be mindful of that. You're going to hear a lot of people cop Bo Nix really high. Keep in mind the amount of football he's gotten to play. So he's gotten more chops at the tree than most. The actual true age which is 24 while at the like while at the combine and it hasn't been the high end high ends that some of these other people have put together. So we're going to move on to the next quarterback. My number eight quarterback is JJ McCarthy, who we go from the oldest of the guys ranked in the top 10 to the youngest. Uh, JJ McCarthy actually turned 21 this January. Um, the six foot three quarterback who's a little slight of frame around 200 and will probably measure over that, but about 202 pounds is last listed. Um, some of the things with JJ McCarthy that come into play in my mind, um, it is the inconsistency when things break down. Um, he's becoming more comfortable using the fact that he is athletic I think he's been kind of hindered into being told that, hey, sometimes you're coached this way. You know, you have to stick in here and do this. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is a better athlete than uh, some may realize. But some of those critical era mistakes. Um, one of his best games that I saw was the second half of the national championship. Uh, he was getting in there. He's making some 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 quality throws. Um, but I've seen some where they were almost hiding him. Now you say, okay, it's because we had a dominant run game. You don't hide first round picks. I'll repeat. You don't hide first round picks. Um, especially when you're up in games and you have the opportunity to let the first round pick throw the ball you don't hide them. Um, and take from that what you will. Maybe maybe I am uh, over-assessing this, but you don't hide first-round picks. Um, so he ended up with an 81. I gave him a grade of a 75. I can see him getting in there and being asked to play too early and it causing him to never catch where he could be. I gave him a high end of an 87. I do see some of the talent that people talk about. I don't see the high end arm talent, but I see the high end physical ability uh, compared to some. Um, get mad at me if you want to. I'm, I'm standing on, on this, not to the point of willing to put money down, but I come from him as Mitch Trubisky, a guy who didn't play enough football. Um, when you did see him, there were flashes of talent, but not flashes of special. Um, and you kind of excuse not seeing more because of them being younger in the process or at least not having a lot of football under their belt. So for me, I say as a note that for him to be the most successful version of him, he's got to sit on the bench for a little bit, at least a year. Um, have a plan of action for him a year too. But um, J.J. McCarthy, who I have no problems with anyone taking in the third round, he is the quintessential third round pick when he this year coming out uh, for me, a guy who 
you can see some of the, the bright spots and the, and the positives and what could be, but the negatives, um, they're there too. And I'm going to fly through the next two. I'm going to give you nine and 10, give you breakdown, breakdowns on them for uh, the rest of the guys. So 11 through 19, I'm going to give you uh, their grade and comps. I'm not going to do as much uh, talking. So we're going to go with my number nine guy, and that's Joe Milton, the third out of Tennessee. Uh, six foot five, maybe six four on a bad day, 244. Um, one of the things with Joe Milton, he is older. He is turning 24 in about a week. So happy birthday to Joe Milton. But some of the positives you've seen, um, he, well, need for improvement. And this is the big one that I saw with him. Um, he has to see it to throw it. Like he has to see the guy open to throw it. And that's something that does give me pause, but the positives are all there. The positives are insane. This dude might not have the, the sizzle arm, but I feel like he'd throw a ball 80 yards, 85 yards. Like Penix has the strongest sizzling to the sideline arm. Uh, this dude can throw a ball so far. It's insane. He's got a high level of athleticism based on his size. He is a mad truck coming at you, and he's willing to run into you and over you if necessary. And that's why I comped him to a guy who people are going to land base me for, but I comped him to Josh Allen coming out because Josh Allen was Joe Milton, a guy who needed to see a guy open to make the throw, was willing to take the shot in there sometimes, a detriment. That's the only difference that I see in them, but the physical tools, the the willingness to run over people, uh, but missing layups sometimes. That's why I'm comped to Josh Allen as a player, play style. That's why I have a fourth round grade on Joe Milton. I felt like he feel like he has a lot of upside. I have him with a 91 on his high end. If things work out and he is literally cultivated like Buffalo did, putting in the time and effort with Josh Allen, he can be a high end quarterback. I also think that Joe Milton could be a career backup or out the league. I give him a 70 on the low end, and it's because I don't think he's going to be given the same opportunity just because he hasn't been discussed. I mean, there might be a coach out there and a GM who are going, shh, no one mentioned how physically gifted Joe Milton is. Let him slide down so we can get him day three and then work with him. That's possible. But when you're that big, strong and fast and all these things, and you're not getting any day two buzz, that's a problem. All right, and then my number 10 quarterback is Michael Pratt out of Tulane. I like Pratt. Pratt is a guy who is pretty doggone effective uh, with his passes. Um, he, his area of improvement is that he he's willing to take some unnecessary risk, um, both with he throws the ball, but also physically. Um, and, you know, that can be a problem. But as far as the positives, I, I do like he has more than above average. He has good arm strength, uh, good pop on the ball. He, he's pretty good getting into his footwork, all that good stuff. But some of the things that stood out when I watched him on tape, the first thing I saw I saw some Jared Stidham to his game, and that kind of gave me pause. Um, like I said, I like him, but I don't like him as a high-end, you know, day one or two pick. I think that he's more that fifth to sixth round guy. Um, he's got a little higher low end than Joe Milton at a 72, but a little, uh, but a much lower high end at an 83. Um, like I said, he, he's a guy who ends up being in that spot starter range, a guy who you can bring in a future bridge quarterback, but likely not going to be the guy who carries your franchise. All right. So I'm going to go quarterbacks 11 through uh, 19 uh, quarterback 11, Sam Hartman. He has a 75 average, low in 71, high in 79. I come from the Gardner Minshew he misses on some, some of the deep throws because he can tend to be a full body thrower, uh, but he has ad- adequate arm strength and he's shifty in the pocket and he is willing to take a hit if necessary. Uh, he's got a sixth to seventh round grade for me. Or no, a seventh round grade for me, sorry. Spencer Sanders is quarterback 
number 12 here. Um, I comped him to Jaron Hall. Um, that's a seventh round grade as well because he has a 74.5. Low end 70, uh, high end 79. I just don't think that he has that starting capability, but he's a guy who, again, can make his way to being on an NFL roster for a long time. Talia Tagovailoa out of Maryland. Um, he's an older prospect, uh, but I see him in a very uh, specific window. Uh, low end 72, high end 77. I think of him as a PJ Walker. He's got a, a high velocity arm and escapability. He tends to lock on his targets and his deep accuracy is sporadic. He is a seventh round pick as well. Uh, Gavin Hardison out of UTEP. Uh, he has a 74.5 grade as well. 71 on the low end, 78 on the high end. He's a Brock Purdy to me. A great touch passer. Uh, throws a good intermediate ball, but arm strength can be lacking. And he has marginal athleticism uh, compared to some of his contemporaries. Jason Bean out of Kansas. Uh, Jason Bean is probably the oldest quarterback prospect here. In fact, he is being born in June of 1999. Uh Low end of a 68, high end of an 80. I see some of the positive traits that could get him going. A very high velocity passer, but he ends up coming off more athlete than quarterback because uh, he ends up being more of a one-speed passer. Uh, I compliment Taysom Hill, to be honest. Uh, Devin Leary out of Kentucky. Uh, another older prospect. Uh, low end 69, high end 78. Uh, got a lot of Kenny Pickett to his game. He's willing to take off. Uh, more shifty than you realize, but doesn't have the high-end arm talent. Uh, more of a seventh to undrafted free agent prospect. Austin Reed out of Western Kentucky. 69 to 78. Uh, that's a 73.5 uh, as an average. More of a Case Keenum style quarterback, in my opinion. Then the last two, Keaton Slovis out of BYU. Um, he's one of the younger guys with uh, a lower rating. 68 through 75. Uh, the high end isn't there. There's not a lot of the special that I see from some of the other prospects. And the low end can end up being pretty low uh, compared to some of them. I have him with a Davis Mills comp to him. And then the last one is Carter Bradley out of South Alabama. Uh, 69 to 74 is his range of 71.5, which is the same grade as Slovis. Uh, CJ Beathard was the comp there. All right, folks, sorry I had to fly through those. Can end up being a little talky on these. I usually try to break them up, and I'll do a better job breaking up some of the other positions, but I get going with this quarterback stuff. So, the Chop It Up with CJ Podcast, the quarterback edition here from the 2024 NFL Combine in Indianapolis. This is Chris James signing off. Remember to follow me on Twitter slash X. I cannot just call it X by itself. Um, my handle is at CJFlorida9. It's at CJ, the entire State of Florida spelled out in the number nine. You'll see it also in the title of the show. Thanks, folks. Take care. Bye-bye.